This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. This episode of Travel Is Your Business is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. Hi, my name is Darlie Newman. I'm the host and producer of Travels with Darlie and Echo Trekking. And I love travel because it inspires people to get out of their comfort zone and try something new and see the world, which you all learn from. So that's what I love. Often it's talked about turning your passion project into your dream job. You'll hear from an inspiring travel personality who took her high school dream of starting a travel show and manifested it into two syndicated shows on Amazon, PBS, and more. Among her travel stories, she taught us, whatever you do, don't run. This is Travel Is Your Business, covering the intersection of technology and business in the travel industry. I feel like this is just totally the question everyone must ask, but I'm really curious. What's what's your favorite episode and, and the favorite place you've been? So out of everything that we've done, because now we have, um, we've, I've done 35 half hours of Equitrekking, and I've already done 30 half hours of Travels with Darlie, which is my new Earth show on PBS and Amazon Prime. But going to Botswana, Africa was the most amazing experience. And honestly, I always say it's really hard to, it's not an easy place to travel and visit. You have to take multiple planes. It's in the middle of Africa. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, the wildlife viewing, the the nature, the terrain, the people, that, that's been one of the neatest places I've ever visited. And I went all around Botswana, including the Okavango Delta. It's the largest inland delta in the world. I don't know if You've been, yeah. but have you been? I have been. Oh my yeah, gosh, it was amazing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so you went to the Okavango. Where else did you go in Botswana? Um, we were in Namibia, which is next yeah. door, and then we did Victoria Falls, okay. also next door. Yeah. So we just did the Okavango. Am I saying it right? Yeah, Okavango, Okavango Delta. Delta. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's amazing. And then we also went to the Makata Cuddy Pans, which are one of the world's largest salt pans. Ooh. And if you ever want to do like amazing stargazing that's the place to go because it's just – you feel like you're on the surface of the moon. I mean, that's how it is. It's no. just like this flat landscape. But at night, there's no other lights to obstruct anything forever. You're in the wow. middle of the Kalahari Desert. And that's cool. We camped out on the pans. It gets really cold at night. We actually had cots out there, which is kind of bizarre. Like it looks – the pictures, you'd think we were in some kind of like insane location because <laughs> it looks that way. You have like cots on the moon basically. Wow. But it was really, really neat. I saw the most – the largest amount of shooting stars I've ever seen just sitting there. It was a really, really cool experience. And it was funny because we were filming. So when you're filming, you know, you're kind of busy all day and, you know, you, it's hard to shut off because you're just running from one thing to the next. So it was kind of interesting because we were out there and one of our guides was like, I want you all to walk away from this campfire, this location, go out on your own, don't say anything, don't talk, and just experience this place. You're not going to get lost because you're going to see this fire. This is your light to get back. Um, and I thought it was really cheesy at first, honestly. I was like, oh, yeah, me not like sitting here talking. Like, <laughs> come on, this is stupid. But I walked away with someone that was on our crew and we said something at first, but then we didn't say anything. And we went as far as we could and we sat down and just looked at the sky. And I'm telling you, it was such a neat experience. And then I wow. really felt it. And I was like, our earth is so neat. Wow. To be able to experience this is like really, really precious. So wow. I don't know. It was, it was really much more than I thought it would be. 
that simple thing of like not saying anything and just looking at the sky it was it was amazing wow what what inspires like the the choice of destination you know how'd you find this and and you know, really, how are you able to tell the story, you know? So every place is different. Like Botswana came about because I was, I wrote for about 10 years for Practical Horseman magazine, which is an equestrian publication. And the editor that I had there had just returned from doing horse safaris all over Botswana. So that's kind of how I got turned on to Botswana. And she said, you have to go this is where you have to go next. So she knew all these locations and had personally gone there and ridden at the locations that we ended up going to film. And that's one thing like I like to do is choose locations that I know someone has been there. So in my address book, I catalog people and locations all over the world. Like if I hear that you're an expert on Middleburg or <laughs> California or something, like you're probably going to be in my address book and I'll notate that there. And when we end up going to that location, I'll probably call on you because I'll be <laughs> like, oh, I remember that person was an expert on Tokyo. <laughs> Because I like to know someone that's done it before because we can't necessarily scout ahead of time. It's just not possible. Um, Mm -hmm. And a lot of shows, like, can't. It's not in the budget. Um, But having someone that has done it that you trust, which is, I think, a key thing in travel anyway, is that trust factor. So that's how we kind of figure out where to go. And how how do you handle the logistics in a really remote place like that, like thinking about Botswana, it sounds dangerous, right, with the animals. And <laughs> and how do you make sure they're trusted horses there and getting all of the crew? I'm really yeah impressed by just the logistics. The logistics are a lot. And actually, that one was dangerous. I got charged by an elephant when I was what? horseback riding. Oh, man. I was on horseback. <laughs> terrifying. Know, there were five of us. So that was in the Okavango Delta. So you're, you're actually – what's really cool about that is you're riding through – water and you're going from island to island actually i think horseback riding is a great way to experience that location because Mm -hmm. otherwise um, you can fly over in a helicopter but then you're not really integrated into the land and you you see things but it's different Um, but when you're riding you literally can go from island to island and your horses swim through these channels that have been carved out by hippos i mean how how cool is that that's how you're getting and when you're on horseback you don't have to stay on a trail which is one reason i like to travel on horseback like you can forge your own path so it's a really Mm -hmm. neat way to see that location but we were on horseback and there were five of us and we're going from island to island and we just happened to be crossing this island where there was a a bull elephant that did not want us to be there so he literally charged us and two people fell off of their horses (gasps) into the water I stayed on, oh but I was gosh, like, and they're crocodiles, right? <laughs> There's everything there. Oh, like, man, be, and hippos, there are, apparently. There are. <laughs> yeah, no, Keep so, my gosh. It was crazy. So it was funny because when I was getting my horse that morning, like, choosing what horse I'm going to ride is important. And I always ask, like, I try to ask people, what's the personality of this horse? Like, can you tell me anything that's maybe quirky or that I should know? Sometimes people don't tell you because they they know that horse so well that they don't think it's quirky anymore. Or they don't think it's something that you need to be aware of. <laughs> FYI, <laughs> you do. <laughs> but like they said, the guy was like, oh, you can either um, 
take I have two horses I think would be good for you. One is um like a veteran, bomb proof, has been out here forever riding, like really nothing's going to scare this horse. The other one, we want we would actually tell you to ride this horse. He's newer but he's so fun. Like if you want to do some fast riding today, this would be the horse for you. And I was like, well, you know, I've never been to Africa before. <laughs> never been on a safari, never been on a horse safari. I was like, I think I'll take your bomb proof horse. And I was so happy I did <laughs> when that <laughs> oh, elephant man. was there and my horse was was bomb proof. I mean, he we were both shaking, quite honestly, but he did not run because you don't want to run. And cuz an elephant can outrun. <laughs> Wait, whoa. So yeah, you just, that would have been an exciting just... episode. Yeah. It's in, it's actually in the episode that episode won a daytime Emmy award. Oh my gosh, and it's you in need the to episode. Watch this. Yeah, you do. It's a it's a good one. <laughs> so what happens with the elephant then? It just it just stops. So, it's <laughs> no. You're not kidding. If you're charged. He was charging us, but it was a mock charge, but I mean trumpeting the whole the whole 9 yards oh was gosh. happening. So I don't know this information and Yeah. My big, um, yeah, no, I had prepared. I had prepared for this trip by reading a book on the plane called, which I actually recommend as a travel book. Whatever you do, don't run by Peter Allison. Ooh. So he's a safari guide, and his book is you guys will love it. It's hilarious. So he writes about all the like funny things that happen when he's guiding people because being a safari guide, I give them all credit. I mean, that is a tough job like it is dangerous out there so you have to have a certain personality so if you read this book it's hilarious but his whole premise is just don't run because like then you'll be in more trouble basically so that was and my guide was funny he's british the the horseback riding guide and he was like of course all he told me i said what do i need to know how do i need to prepare he said just listen to me that's all you need to do so then you're like really putting your trust in someone. <laughs> you're like, I guess I trust you then. <laughs> well, that's a good question. How do you wow. find the right guides? You know, like the do you work with the the DMC locally or um or do you just kind of find them through the address book that you that you were describing? Um we go like a lot through we're working a lot with small independent companies. So like these safari companies are especially the horseback riding ones are small businesses but they know the area i mean they're ingrained in there and that's their their business to know the the tourism in the area um so i mean even in the u.s when we're filming at a ranch like we're working through local people and when i'm planning it i'm working through people that are already like offering these tours and activities and they are really great resources even if you just want to ask like where should i go eat dinner tonight they know that information in addition to what they know best, which is their passion, whether it's like their mountain biking guides or horseback riding guides or hiking guides. Hmm. They just know the area because they live there. So that's how I get a lot of information and I think the firsthand stuff that is fun to share. Yeah, that's so cool. What do you think is a, is like a big distinction between – you were describing you know, horseback riding as like a, a different type of way to explore the destination um, – what do you think is like a big distinction of some of these less kind of remote uh, areas and why that's why it's unique on, on a horseback? I, one of the reasons I wanted to do equitracking as a show is because you can show people something that they really haven't seen before because mm. some of these areas are remote and there you could hike, but it's going to take you so long to get there. I think that horseback riding is such a great way to get into areas that are not as accessible by other means. For instance, Banff National Park in Alberta, we mm. did a pack trip there, which was very hard to film because, again, we're all on horseback. 
like our entire camera crew. We're using pack horses to pack our equipment out and we're going out for a couple of days. So then you're thinking about like, how am I going to batter, like have battery power? You know, we actually have solar panels that you can charge stuff, but there's all of these logistics that go into it. Like how much can I film on this trip and actually like save it before we actually need to go back and like actually use the internet and use real things that, that, um, so those are big considerations, but I just think it's such a neat way to, uh, see a place that's natural. Um, but also we've done villages in Turkey. We rode end to end from village to village. And again, there being on horseback was fascinating because I'm riding into villages that not as many American travelers would visit. But when you come in on a horse, there's just something that connects people about horses, especially in areas where horses are still really used for daily life. And they are in a lot of parts of the world still. So when you ride in on a horse, there's just like it's a, almost like a friendliness and yeah. like all the kids in this Turkish village came out to see our horses. So immediately you have like a connection to the community that you maybe didn't have because people are interested. They're like, oh, she's they're all riding in on horseback. Let's go see what's going on. So I think it's a neat way to see um, different places and just just experience stuff in a more calm and quiet way like if again if you go on a safari for instance and you're out in a vehicle you've got that noise when you're on Mm. horseback it's quiet you're more unobtrusive and anyone who's ridden a horse knows that you're also a little bit more aware of your surroundings because you're kind of thinking about what the horse is thinking about too like if you're riding there's there is always an element of like what's around the bend what's coming up and I think that makes it exciting but also you're very you're you're thinking in a different way and it can be almost meditative sometimes it can be. Um, it can clear your mind, but then it can also make you think a lot more. So I think there's both aspects of it. It's meditative in the sense that you're so focused. Uh, interesting. So what are some of the – do you ever find yourself um, in a certain state of mind or where does your mind lead you in that type of environment if you're mm-hmm. always always in suspense, I suppose? Yeah. Well, I think what's interesting about traveling on horseback or being around horses in general – is that um, horses really read you very well, which I think could be great and also not so great. But I think it can be really therapeutic and helpful to people. Like, I I don't know, there's so many horse therapy things going on now, and people are using horses to heal in a lot of different ways. Like, veterans are using horses to do rehab. And it's so good, you know, for your body when you're riding. They're it's exercise and you're using different muscles and different things. Um, but when I'm on horseback somewhere and it depends on my state of mind, but I am hyper aware and I am thinking about things. So you're getting kind of the juxtaposition of, of all of that when you're traveling on horseback. Hmm. Speaking of things that are good for the body, I'd be very interested to find out what snack you brought. Today. <laughs> oh, I brought a variety. Well, first of all, I brought granola bars because oh, that's God. what I always no, that's what <laughs> that's I always perfect. bring when I'm traveling. I'm al- yeah. we always have granola bars with us because we never know what the food is going to be, and mm. it's just like your safety. It's my go-to. But then I actually brought a variety. I brought a bunch of stuff because I'm hungry this morning. But I brought um, <laughs> croissants, like. Mm scones because scones are like I've done a bunch of UK stuff I feel like I was like oh let me get a little international thing here (laughs) and I brought something called Quiamam and I'm not pronouncing it totally correctly but it's from Brittany Um, it's it's a French pastry and we just filmed in Brittany and I saw that they had it in this in 
at the Whole Foods, actually. I was so surprised. It's not something I would think huh. that would be even labeled there. But it's a, it's a specialty of this part of France, and it's a really great buttery pastry. So Ooh. we've got a lot of bread products, but <laughs> that's good on it's a Friday, Friday right? Yeah. <laughs> I feel like that's an ongoing theme on this podcast. Our listeners <laughs> must be like, wow, every podcast, they're like, it's Friday. Let's go crazy. <laughs> So there's you got the savory and sweet. I brought the savory and sweet because those are the best combinations. Great. Thank you. Coming up, you'll hear from Darlie on the business side of things, how she started Equitrekking, and how ecotourism and ecotourism collide. Entrepreneurista, a woman who organizes and operates a business, taking on greater than normal financial risks in order to do so. One who has a drive, passion, and vision with an undying determination to succeed. She is fiercely motivated, ambitious, and competitive, forging her own path to independence and success. That's an entrepreneurista. Through the conversations on the Entrepreneurista podcast, we want to celebrate failures, reflect on successes, and get unfiltered about what it takes to be your own boss. This is the Entrepreneurista podcast, presented by Socialfly. It's the best business meeting you'll ever have, with must-hear real-life looks at how leading women in business are getting it done, and what it takes to build and grow a successful company. It's beyond the gram, with no filters, no limits, and plenty of surprises. Check out all our latest episodes at entrepreneurstapodcast.com. Keep up with the show on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Travel Biz Show. That's Travel B-I-Z Show. Our episodes are available on iTunes and Google Play and online at travelisyourbusiness.com. Plus, there are a lot more great shows on Mouth Media Network. Take a trip to mouthmedianetwork.com to enjoy them all. And remember, we love fan mail. Drop us a note to say hi, suggest a guest, or if you'd like to become a sponsor on the show, email us at travelbizshow at mouthmedianetwork.com. It's a pretty daunting task starting a show from scratch, getting distribution um, and getting budget and funding. I can't even imagine. So how did you have the idea for this show? And then how did you get it off the ground? So I wanted to do a travel show since I was in high school. <laughs> Believe it or not, I would wow. tell people that I was going to have a travel show. And people remember this because wow. I've talked to my classmates and they're like, we can't believe you actually did it. You and manifested like, it. That's yeah, awesome. That's weird. Great. Um, so, and I went to GW in DC oh, cool. and studied radio and television and did a, like a minor in international business and cultures. I created my own minor and just started working in the industry in college, really. And actually before that, I was a contract camera operator for a summer when I was in high school and <clears throat> actually was, you know, running camera for government meetings in South Carolina. And <laughs> that was very interesting. Um, but I, so I, I kind of went into the industry of wanting to learn as much as I could and did a lot of behind the scenes work as well as doing I did radios and all kinds of like on camera and on radio things as well so journalism plus behind the scenes but I had the idea for echo trekking I was trying to think of a show that I could do that would be different from from what other people have done out there um and what what I was actually good at you know what my specialty was and I've always been riding and love horses and I know it's such a neat way to travel so I was writing for 
equestrian magazines about horseback riding in general and about horseback riding and travel. And I was riding and living in New York City. And I started the website Equitracking. I started a website so early um, and started doing little online videos. And we actually got um, written up in Business Week in their their blog spotting thing. They were like, wow, these people are doing something different. Um, and I just had this small website, but I was was doing a little out of the box, like early video and early, like early putting it online, which is kind of interesting. And were you doing that all yourself still at that point? Yeah. Or? Wow. Mm-hmm. And I actually was working, too. I had, a, you know, I had a job apart from <laughs> I had to make money <laughs> apart from this passion project um but i wanted to try to make it into a show uh i thought it was gonna you know i thought it would be something that would be different and and i think people when i started to talk about like what i wanted to do thought i was crazy because who wants people would say oh it's so niche like who's gonna watch horseback riding but that's not what the show is about it never has been it's really about the people that you meet and the travel and the experiences and it's so much Horses are a vehicle for getting to know the area and the history and the culture. And quite frankly, they're beautiful to watch. (laughs) So when you see someone riding horses somewhere, it's really fun and exciting and beautiful. (laughs) So I I thought it was a really neat combination. So at that point, um, it was the start of all of these new niche networks were popping up. So I actually went to a network called Horse TV that had just started. Oh. And I, I, had, I was like, I have this idea for a show. I had never produced anything myself. I'd worked in production, but I'd never like taken a whole project on. But I had this idea for the show. I went to them and they said, basically, we, we'll air your show, but you have to sell the advertising around it. And I was like, oh my, yeah. And I was like, okay. So well, like you add one more thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, and then when you're starting something new, I mean, I think everyone, every entrepreneur comes across, you're in a chicken and egg scenario. So like, how do you get there if you don't know what your numbers are going to be? How do you sell advertising when you don't know how the show's going to do? Yeah. Um, but yeah. I actually went to tourism Ireland and I thought this would be a really natural fit for a sponsor I'll go to Ireland and do an Ireland show and maybe tourism Ireland would want to be like one of our first sponsors and run ads around this show on horse tv and it turns out they did that's amazing (laughs) that was good for you that was my first sponsor and then I took that show and I went with it to PBS like I had the pilot I ran it on this network that actually then went out of business (laughs) 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 thus is the media industry (laughs) And, and I took it to PBS, and it, it turns out there's a woman um, at this one station in New Mexico, um, this older woman who retired a few years after she kind of helped me out. But she said, your show is really good. It should be on national. And I was like, no, no, it's not ready. It's not ready. You know, I'm like, I'm not ready for that yet. It, the show's not ready. I need to work on it more. But she sent it in to all these distributors for PBS, and everyone wanted to take it. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I think I've got a show then. I guess I'll do it. So it was kind of surprising. And but all throughout what I've done, it's been very organic. I just feel like when you're working on something that you love, you find opportunities. So, I mean, I've grown the websites out. I have multiple websites that are oriented towards equitrekking. And then from equitrekking, I've grown into another show, Travels with Darley. And and I've done and I've done digital original shows for scripts and all these different things that Mm -hmm. have been organic, but they come up because you're you're loving what you do and you find an opportunity within that. So that's been my philosophy and that's always my philosophy. So I'll work hard on something and then say, okay, well what's the next opportunity? How do I make this even bigger? Hmm. What was the opportunity that that um, inspired transitioning or, or adding travels with Darley on top of equitrekking? So that's interesting because basically I was 
doing echo tracking and thinking, wow, what's the crux of these episodes? It's it is it's about horseback riding and it's about travel, but again, it's I'm always on camera with a local. And I just again, I thought, wow, this would be a neat series. What if I do a series where it's all about the different experiences that you can have with locals when you're eating and you're drinking and you're, you know, maybe you're doing a different adventure activity. And I kind of wanted to branch out a little bit and reach an audience that, again, you know, pretty much everyone likes psychotracking, I think, but also an audience that maybe is interested in doing other things on their travels. So someone that is a foodie and wants to go to Hong Kong or someone that is uh, loving, you know, golf or, or, or biking or swimming or something, rafting. We're, uh, so within Travels with Darley, when we go to a place, we, we, we try to see, like, what, what do people want to do when they visit here? Like in New Mexico, mm-hmm. if you go to New Mexico, you should go rafting. You should go whitewater rafting because it's amazing there. So that's something that I would want to do in that episode. So I've kind of transcended it. But I really started taking footage um, that I was shooting along the way and creating mini vignettes that I put out on AOL and MSN. I forged a partnership there to do video shorts. So I started Travels with Darley in short form and started to build up um, getting actually great views through them for my short form video. Mm. And then after I had that established, so I established a brand a little bit for Travels with Darley. Again, I went out and said, okay, I'm going to try to do this on PBS. Again, you've got to go out and get sponsors. Um, But then what what the business model is like you have sponsors but then there's an aftermarket for it so nowadays you can distribute your content in so many different places so it's on Amazon Prime and I do the shorts that go out to AOL and MSN and like 2,000 partner sites um, but you, your content can then go to international networks so you mm. can resell it there too so you can distribute your content in so many different ways so that's kind of my model for the business on that end. Do you think that travel content specifically? performs well on on a certain platform versus other content? I think what's interesting now is that, first of all, you have to put your content, again, everywhere, and that includes social networks, and that it it performs well based on how you edit it for those platforms and and based on the reach of those platforms. So, you know, putting something on like IGTV versus Facebook or doing a live on Facebook versus just putting content that people maybe don't care about because it's recycled, just fitting the travel content to the platform is something that I'm all about right now. We're filming a lot of 360 videos, which I think are cool in general because they're very immersive, but then putting those out where people would watch a 360, which again, it, it has been AOL and MSN for me, but also Facebook. So it's travel content can be popular depending on the platform. It's just, I think it's a lot of like what, where you're at, what kind of content you're editing for that platform. So it has to really fit. And that's kind of what we're seeing. But travel is probably not popular like on all platforms. Of course, there are like certain, but like Amazon is doing really well for travel. And that's Mm -hmm. kind of a great spot for it um, as opposed to, and PBS has always been a great home for travel. Like the how-to and cooking shows are great on PBS as well. So you've got a viewer there that um, wants to learn, which I think is what I love about it because it's like a curious person that wants to learn more about the world that's watching PBS, which is great. That's cool. awesome. Uh, you mentioned um, that you, you worked with, I think it was Visit Ireland. Um, so you're working with DMOs and, and, and tours and boards and such to sponsor the content. Um, one, you're bringing this kind of attention to media to the, to the um, area you're going to. Do you see any way that 
tour- tourism in, in particular has impacted some of the communities that you've gone to? People are taking the trips that they're seeing on the show. And I know that because mm-hmm. with Echo Tracking, I'm kind of monitoring it because we actually have been booking people on trips over mm-hmm. the years, which is another business I started organically because so many people were emailing every day with, and I was planning their trips and they're saying, <laughs> where did you go in this episode? So that organically came out of it. So, and, I, 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 and I talked to the destinations we filmed with and they are, they always, I mean, 10 years on from some of my original Equitrekking episodes, people are still going to Ireland and that content is still on, yeah. which is amazing because it's evergreen. Right. You know, we are yeah. not, I'm, I'm trying to film stuff that's not going out of business tomorrow, first of all, because that's important. I want the content to last because you invest a lot in content and you want it to have a longer shelf life. Um, but I'm I'm definitely corresponding with destinations that are also reporting back on, yeah, increases in their lodgers tax sales as attributed to our show. Like in the first six months it airs, they are seeing an increase in their bed tax go up. And they're mm-hmm. saying that they're attributing that to our series. And that's third party information. I'm not even wow. I'm not monitoring that because I can't because I don't <laughs> I'm not in that destination. But I think it's it's great. And people are going into the visitor centers and random places that we filmed and saying that they found out about the destination through our show. So I think that's that's that tells you the power of media, first of all, mm. but also like the power of creating content that actually inspires people and is positive. Our, our show is really positive. I mean, and I love I love highlighting if we can, like I do a lot of things on female entrepreneurs. If they're if in the, they're in the area I was in Tokyo, I interviewed a female fashion designer and the same in Brussels. I think those are great stories to tell, and sometimes they're underrepresented in the media, and being a, a woman who is an entrepreneur and a female producer, which is also you know, an industry that can be male-dominated, it's, it makes it interesting for me, and I think more interesting for viewers, because I'm showing them something like a little different that they don't see on every platform. Yeah. Hmm. On our side, we look at trends in the travel industry a lot. A big one is ecotourism, obviously. Does that kind of intertwine um, with what you do? And how does that impact the way you produce your show and the way you travel, if at all? It's really important to me personally. I I mean, I love our planet. I love our Earth. And I just want it to last <laughs> as long as possible. And and when I travel, and when one, when you're horseback riding, you do have less of a carbon footprint, and you are doing things in a more unobtrusive way. So I think it, it is, it's an eco-friendly way to travel. It is. And I'm a big proponent of leave no trace when you're traveling mm-hmm. somewhere. So even if I'm hiking or camping out somewhere, which I do as well on the show, um, it, I think it's important that you, you take with you what you brought in and all that kind of stuff. But I try to promote those themes, again, organically through the show. I'm also a big proponent of people just getting outdoors and enjoying nature in general. I think it's so beneficial, whether you're horseback riding or biking or whatever you're doing, just getting out into a new area and seeing the natural landscapes. It's really good for you. It's it, yeah. we've we've proven that. I mean, there's studies that nature makes you more being in nature makes you more creative, which I love. But I think it's just it's something that we all need to do. So many of us live in cities, and our mm-hmm. lives are so busy. And, I, and through our show, I try to show how you can easily get outdoors and do things that are adventurous in an accessible way. I've had people, we've done a bunch of biking segments. I'm not an expert biker. 
no, I'm not. But I'll get out there with the locals and and go somewhere that I can showcase that would be accessible. If you don't have a bike, you can go out with these folks and they'll take you out um, and they'll teach you the ropes so that you have an experience that is as safe as it can be because you're always – there's an element <laughs> of risk in that <laughs> everywhere you go. But showing people, you know, this is how you can get to this area really easily and, you know, here's how you can get out and enjoy it even for a part of a day because I'm not super hardcore and our show's not either – but just showing those those easy ways to get outdoors, I think that's important and something that I'm a proponent of. And that's your ecotourism bend. Yeah. That, and it's becoming more popular. People are looking for that escape. Yeah, I love that. So what's next? I know you have your new kind of spinoff show. Is that the right word to describe your second show? It's yeah, kind of it's, I mean, it's it's standing on its own now, Yeah, which is interesting. Because I called it Travels with Darley, which is weird. It's my name. <laughs> but one reason I did that is just because my name is unique. Oh, yeah. And I thought, yeah. oh, that'll, you know, if you're searching for it online or something. It's not Travels yeah. with, you know, Sue. I'd <laughs> 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 be like, you're like, okay. It's just like, my name is unique. So that's what, but it's funny because now it, it's been, so it started on PBS in January of 2016. And we've done 30 half hours that are on the air now. And we have, We'll have 36 this winter, and those are, you know, you can also watch them on Amazon Prime, and we're they're going to international networks, and we have them on cruise ships and some different places, so the distribution is interesting. But that's become a brand in itself now, which is great. But it, again, it's been a progression that sometimes you're surprised. I'm like, oh, now it's standing on its own. Because at first yeah. when I started marketing and I was like, from the makers of Equitrekking, and now I'm like, oh, they're like, you can drop that now because people know, people know you now. And I'm that's like, okay. exciting. <laughs> so what's next? Well, more great travel content. I'm diversifying with the outlets that we're distributing to. I okay. just was – I'm here in New York. I just went to the National Association of Broadcasters Streaming Summit uh, at the Javits Center, which is all about the many, many platforms that are out there, which is can be mind-boggling for an independent producer, quite frankly. Where do you put your content? What makes sense? But that's what I'm here to figure out, and I will be figuring that out as – the weeks progress. Um, <laughs> no, seriously, and putting and getting our shows on even more platforms so even more people can see them. Those that's the next step is just to grow it, and we'll see. I'm I'm sure there'll be some organic opportunities that come up or come to mind as I continue to travel and, and produce this content. Cool, awesome. It seems like a great place to take a break. But when we come back, uh, you'll hear from Darley uh, on a more personal side. Hello world, I'm George Manley, Senior Vice President of Sales and Marketing for Solar. I have a background in broadcast journalism, I've traveled the world, and I love to write. But more than any of that, I love to have great conversations with interesting people, and I love to learn their stories. I am so thrilled to be working with really interesting people in the social commerce space as a result of this show. Solar is a place where brands and influencers create content to share with their consumer public. Each week, I'll be presenting a story from an interesting person in this space, and the goal is to learn something more about how this industry is evolving. The goal is to learn something more about the creatives behind the creator-influencer space, and the goal is to celebrate the community that is quickly forming on solar.com. 
I hope you'll enjoy this show. I hope you'll enjoy our conversations. I hope you'll give us feedback. And if your story is interesting enough, I hope you'll join us on another solar story, the art and business of influence. Solar Stories is presented by Solar Inc. And you can find more episodes of Solar Stories and learn more about solar at solar.com. Copyright 2018, Solar Inc., all rights reserved. Thank you for listening. How has traveling so much affected your perspective on the world? That was a little heavy, but I'm just like curious. You know, what What I think is interesting about traveling so much, again, is you meet so many different people. I think one thing that's been interesting is that I feel like when I've traveled to areas that people would think that maybe American travelers aren't seen as so positive there or it's politicized, for instance, in Turkey. Mm-hmm. Um, I've done a couple of trips there. No one cares <laughs> when you get out into the countryside and you're you're away from, you know, people talking about you know, what's political and what's like controversial in the world. A smile is universal. People are all pretty much a lot like similar in a lot of ways. So I think that's something that travel has taught me is just how alike we all are. And I think that's a beautiful thing. So no matter where you go, you're connecting you in a, in a very basic way, in a very human way. And that's just made me, I feel like my mind has been open so much from from my travels. And one thing I wish that I wish that I gotten when I was younger is the ability to speak multiple languages. Because unfortunately, I studied um, Spanish and Italian and I I suck at languages. (laughs) But in my both, I have them really bad. Yeah. (laughs) But and everyone always says, "Oh, what languages do you speak?" Being that you travel so much, and yeah, I have to rely on local translators and things. But there's so much that's universal, even with that. And I went out with the the son in uh, in Botswana, and they they speak a click language. Again, we couldn't speak to each other, but it didn't matter. Because we were smiling and connecting and looking in each other's eyes, and there was just something that is deeper than than language that that comes with travel. And I think that's a neat way to connect. And again, now we're also socially networked and we're on digital a lot. But being with someone, being in the same room, there's something special about it. And being with people that are different all over the world, there's something really interesting about it. And I think it just makes your mind open up and is really good for people. Um, so where is the one place that you haven't been yet that you're dying to go or that you think would be a great episode? Can you do a little teaser for the for the best episode that might be coming or that's your dream? <laughs> well, I actually really want to go to Thailand. And so yeah. I've been to Cambodia. I love Thai food. And I want to try the food in Thailand and just compare it because I know it's different. When I was in Cambodia, I had Thai food, which I think was pretty authentic. And it was so different from what we're eating in the States, which is one thing I find fascinating on when I'm traveling. When I went to Hong Kong, the Cantonese cuisine was like nothing I've had in the U.S. before. Yeah. I mean, we change our – the food gets changed here for our different palates. <laughs> but I love traveling and trying the food and really getting something that's authentic. So Thailand's on my list because I just want to go over and eat pad thai. <laughs> so, Darlie, is there a final thought you'd like to share? Something – it could be a reflection on what we've talked about today or just generally your experiences? My final thought would be 
just that I think everyone should try to get out of their comfort zone at some point, whether you're going somewhere that's close to home and trying something new or taking that trip of a lifetime. I think travel is such a transformative experience and it really does open your mind. It makes you a better person and a better global citizen. So I think everyone should be trying to do something different, like get out of your comfort zone, try something new, and it just makes you a better person. And that's that's why I love travel. And that's why I love trying to inspire people to, to get out there and, and try something else. Do something new. Nice. Well, is there a way that uh, somebody could get in touch with you um, uh, or the work you're doing with uh, travels with Darley or Equitrekking? Yeah, so I'm on all the social networks out there, and and you can follow me on the road if you want. Um, but yeah, on our websites, you can watch the show on all these different platforms: PBS, Amazon Prime, AOL, MSN, international networks now too. And and connect with me. I love I love getting recommendations for places. That's the way I find a lot of places. Getting I that have, first can I give you one? Yeah. Jordan. I actually rode a horse through Jordan. Yes. Have you guys done an episode? We did. There? I'll yeah. have to okay. send you. We did two episodes. <laughs> I love that's one of my that's one of my top places too. Did you go to the Wadi Rum Desert? I did. Yeah. Yeah. Amazing. We have yeah. so much in common. I know. <laughs> we might have to ride together at some point. Yeah. Interesting. No, I love Jordan. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. And a huge equestrian culture there, which is why I, I actually, I yeah, I went you. to the Royal Stables oh, um, wow. and in Amman and was hanging out with the Arabian horses there. Amazing. Oh beautiful. Very cool experience. Cool. Yeah. And, and just being in the desert was awesome. We did you, we rode with the Bedouin. Yeah. Really, really, I wonder cool. if we had the same people. <laughs> I know, wow. <laughs> yeah, Such a small world. But yeah, that was a really amazing experience. And that what I thought was cool about the Wadi Rum is that it's just a lot more diverse than people would think of a desert being. Yeah, you've got the canyons, and there's there's wildlife there. It's it's beautiful and fascinating, and not not just plain desert. There's so much diversity. That's so cool. Well, thank you again for for coming on the show today. Uh, for my co-host, Bess Chapman. Happy trails. I'm your co-host, John Madsen. Bon voyage. This has been Travel Is Your Business. To suggest guests or content for the show, or to become a sponsor, email us at podcast at travelisyourbusiness.com. Keep up with the show on social media at Travel Biz Show. That's Travel B-I-Z Show. Episodes available on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play, along with our website, travelisyourbusiness.com. Copyright 2018. All rights reserved. No portion of the episode may be distributed or published without the express written permission of the producers. Thanks for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.